as, as vowed, because he was handpicked and groomed to take over and bring the U.S. in to the very system, the world system, that it pushed upon other countries, because the U.S. has financed this big global society. It was the U.S. that financed the League of Nations into existence by Wilson. And Wilson was just a puppet of Mandel House. And Mandel House, he had a contact from Britain. It was Lord Grey. Lord Grey worked for the same outfit, Cecil Road Foundation, that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And I'll be back with more of this after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. In the 1800s, we had the first main international interfaith meeting in the United States. That's where they held it for the world. And I have the original books that came out of it. It's quite fascinating to realize that Freemasonry, and it was run by Freemasonry, had basically... And sponsored an event to bring all these different religious leaders who were also Masons together. And in their, their, their works and their the books they published about it and all the speeches they made, you find it hasn't really changed up to the present time. Yet the same tenets that were set, were set in the direction they were going. And they knew it would take a long time to bring the world together to shape a new religion it would be a mishmash of all the other religions to put together. And I've always said, in every age and every era, they use a religion. I think it was Charles Fort that said, he said that in every age and every era, the proper authorities saw it, that the proper religion was invented and taught to the people. And it was so, and the people believed properly. Because it's been used as a tool for as long as we've been around the planet. A very powerful tool. And people at the top who are atheistic in their views, many of them born in communist countries like Gorbachev, openly admit the power of religion and the fact that they need a religion, an earth-based type of religion, to, to create this kind of society, this planned society that they want to bring in to view. I've mentioned before how the Rockefeller Foundation set up with Rockefeller as the first chairman of the World Council of Churches. Very important organization. The idea being that they would start to supply the information to different religious sects, mainly Christian sects in America, so that it would all be on consensus. Consensus building is very important to get everybody on board, as pirates say. All saying the same thing with the same agenda. They even have foundations whose sole job is to go around other foundations and NGOs to build consensus, getting them all working together on the same track. That's why you're hearing the same things from all of the different groups. They don't vary at all with this vision, a vision that none of them who push it actually invented themselves. They're all you know, short-sighted in reality. But 
another little boy that came out of the Rockefeller Foundation and soared up the corridors of power is a technocrat. Technocrat works behind the scenes, the type that Professor Carl Quigley talked about. He has the true power, but he's not responsible to the public, but he can get things done very quickly by, by massive money and people bow and scrape and jump to action and do what they're told and get things done. They can bypass democracy of all kinds. But he was a little boy sent out to, to at least front for the Earth Charter. The Earth Charter program was in Rio, I think the first one, in 92. And out of that came sustainable development and they've had different meetings since they've upgraded their charter because they never stop. It's always a foot in the door and then they keep just marching on to the next step and the next step and the next step. Well, here's how they're tying their religions together, this, this bunch. Now, I've talked before about Maurice Strong, who has the Baca Grande uh, ranch in the United States. And he has his big tower, the spiral tower, the Helter Skelter, as the occultists call it, where the enlightened ones go up and down and walk up and down their meditations heavily into the to the new age scene so this is the guy that did the earth charter well here's the earth charter program now that they're not going to program out for religion and sustainability see they'll always use religion in fact any group is great they love to, to have people to form big massive groups because all you have to do is work and put in your own people who take it over and one person at the top can control the minds of thousands if not millions of people so they love, they promote groups. See. And here's what it says. This, Welcome to the Earth Charter Program on Religion and Sustainability. In the transition to a more just, sustainable and peaceful future, the world's spiritual and religious communities have a vital role to play. And Earth Charter International is developing a program to support their engagement, meaning to direct them. And then there's a bunch of sites there that have on these very, very things, which I'll leave at the end of the show on my website. But it says, practical guidelines for using the Earth Charter methodology. That's also part of it. What are the appropriate steps for religious institutions to take their efforts against global warming? See, the global warming is fizzling out, so they've got to rush forward with all this stuff now and get it into ultimate law. Just today, the, the U.S. is going to lead the whole charge for for signing global warming across the whole planet. They'll probably pay for it all too and do a lot of payoffs on the way because it's fizzling out and everything has been is counting on global warming being believed and this climate change, I just call it weather because that's what it is, weather is weather. A rose by any other name is still a rose. But they like us to use their terms to brainwash ourselves. So it says here, a first step would be to use the above-stated methodology to gain a clear perception of the deeper challenges and choices that we are dealing with. A reflection of this kind should start with assessment of our planetary situation at this critical moment of Earth history, infused by a thorough analysis of the social and ecological teachings of our religious scriptures. Who's our religious scriptures? It's a bunch of atheists at the top. Maybe not so much atheists of their own little secret religion. What do our sacred texts say about our purpose as human beings? 
how, how do they define the good life? The good life is one of the Masonic terms. In fact, Russell wrote a book called Education and the Good Life. What are our obligations towards humankind and other kind? This is the, the whole interconnectedness of plants and spiders and mosquitoes and stuff like that in humans. How do our religious scriptures relate to the comprehensiveness, cosmological vision presented by modern science as expressed in the Earth Charter? I'll tell you what the religious scriptures talk about. They talk about the rich men of the Earth, of the whole world, the rich men of the world getting together and conspiring against their own people. That's what the religious scriptures say. But they won't mention that in here. And it says here, the second step of this reflection process is then taken to a thorough look into the, the, the drivers and root causes of the challenges we are facing. This part of the process should be informed by the insights of environmental science. So they want to wrap science with religion exactly as theosophy said they were going to do. I've talked about that many times. This is a revealed to us the challenges we are facing are interconnected and systemic. What do religious scriptures say about the values of human greed, the will for domination and the violence against humans? I'll repeat that scripture again. It says the rich men of the earth would conspire against their own people. Because <laughs> those are the ones who are greedy and they want to dominate and they're very violent against humans. How can our sacred texts help us to formulate alternate visions to the modern religions of consumerism and materialism? How can we take in the massiveness and complexity of the challenge without feeling overwhelmed and disempowered? The third step is to reflect on inclusive responses to be taken. Here, the inclusive ethical vision of the Earth Charter. So there's a new Bible for you. The Earth Charter is the way. You see? could help us frame the discussion how can the foundations of Mason's Love Foundations of our religious faith help us to move from denial to action and generate the renewable energy of hope renewable energy of hope I guess that's another way of saying hope springs eternal right? needed to unleash the immense resources of human imagination boy you need a lot of imagination to believe this compassion these guys don't know what compassion is and the power of dignity as they make us all poor. What can we do as individuals to become active agents? Agents, eh? Agents of change. Change agents. And how can our religious institutions help bring forth sustainable communities? Sustainable communities. Agenda 21 ties in with the whole thing. The United Nations Agenda 21. Sustainable communities ties in with the Air Charter, the Earth Charter. You see, they're all built on each other. On respect for nature universal human rights, economic justice, and a culture of peace. Then there's all the suggestions down below it. But I'll put up these links after the show. And as I say, don't ever forget, when these things come out, you've got to connect them together. They've taken years and years to plan all of this. They were planning this before you were born. With the different organizations they would set up, to herd, like sheepdogs, bringing the, or the herd of sheep together, the flock, step by step from different directions until you're in the pen. And most folk will never know how they got there. But what they will do, what they will do is 
all parrot the politically correct terms like climate change and global warming rather than to say, or just call it the weather. So this is what's been pushed today. And because of the, the mass exodus of scientists leaving the IPCC, International Panel on Climate Change, working at the United Nations, they've been telling us, and being well paid for telling all the, these lies for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, that they're leaving in droves. And I read an article last night about it. That, that it's, it's crisis time at the top. Now they've got to really ram it through fast. And it says here, this is an article here from the BBC. And I'll read it. Uh, it's very interesting. So it deals with all of this right after the following break. through the matrix, trying to fill in all the little blank spots that the media fails to put in, because the media's job is to give you your opinion, which isn't yours at all, and yet a lot of you will fight and die holding on to opinions that are downloaded into you, and that's how scientific indoctrination works. It works very effectively, never ever poo-poo the idea, we've all been subject to it, we've all gone through incredible lives of massive changes and it's only afterwards you find out that most of those things you went through were all planned by other people the whole culture the changes within the culture even the timetables for implementation of different parts were all planned before you were born long-term business planning and that's what it's all about and here's this great piece of propaganda from the BBC News Thursday, 11th December 2008, U.S. willing to lead climate push. Do you know that all the U.S. people are willing to lead that? I love how they use countries' names when, when a few people at the top have decided to push a plan through. U.S. willing to lead climate push. I don't see any polls going out anywhere. I don't see the voting going on on this. This is by Richard Black, environmental correspondent. See the environmental correspondents. Great job, eh? So they would be all pro, pro, you know, fear and fear mongering because it's their paycheck. It says the U.S. is set to lead the world towards a new climate deal. Now, here's a term they're using. Put out climate and got, got new deal. Now, the, the first new deal was a change from the old American way with the Constitution and the separation of the different parts of government, the check and balance system that was set up, and they got a new deal because the man they put in was a, an internationalist, a new deal. Now, here they say new climate deal. This is a little tongue-in-cheek joke. I just say new weather deal, because it's weather. They're talking about weather. According to John Kerry, now we all know about John Kerry, if you've done your homework, but only if other countries pledge emission curbs too. The former U.S. presidential candidate said here, at the UN Climate Conference that the aim of agreeing on a new global deal next year must remain on track. But a deal could not work unless it covered all countries, he added. A number of dignitaries said they were looking forward to working with Barack Obama's incoming administration, and you're darn right they are because Barack 
was put in there to bring this whole international system into the United States. Fast. Fast-tracking it. All the stuff that the Bush government pretended they didn't really want to do, but they had to keep their image as conservatives, you see. But now they put the next guy in. Now the machinery for enforcement is set up in the U.S. under the guise of terrorism. They put in the next man who will then enforce it through running the laws through making it all 100% legal. Remember, any law can be made legal. That's what law is. Nothing to do with right or wrong. Mr. Kerry, the Massachusetts senator, will shortly take over as chairman of the influential Senate Committee on Foreign Relations. He said he, he said he said he brought messages, brought messages to Poznan on behalf of Mr. Obama, and had delivered them to leading players, including UN Secretary General Ban Ki Moon. Mr. Ban was among the speakers who said they looked forward to working with the president-elect, emphasizing that the world was looking to the U.S. for leadership. Really? Did you know the, did you know the people across the world were looking towards the U.S. for leadership? I mean, it's, it's a talk on the streets, you know, in every cafe. I love, I love the, the, the prattle they give us. Total propaganda. They, they used this during wartime in Britain for centuries, the same stuff in the newspapers how the British people were all for this and all for that. No one asked them. No one ever asked them what they thought about anything. And here we have this vision thing, you see, it ties, and they always use vision because it's part of the high Masonic tradition. They believe a man of vision must guide the world. A man of vision. King of the world. Global vision. And they say, without vision, we perish. They're talking about themselves. The elite, you see. The conference here marks a halfway point in a two-year process agreed at the UN meeting last December in Bali that aims to establish a new global deal on climate change by next year's gathering in Copenhagen. Some observers, observers doubt that the timescale can be met, bearing in mind that Mr. Obama's incoming administration has yet to become involved in the UN process, but ballyhoo. Ballyhoo, that's what I say about Bali. Utter ballyhoo, because every single player... Obama, Obama included, was groomed for his position to bring everything in. They're all working together, completely interlocked. They're all international people. They say themselves, the day of the nation state is over. Actually, it's long over. They want to level the world, level us down, all working with the United Nations. And the richer countries must go down. They call it the redistribution of wealth, straight from the Communist Manifesto. And we've been doing that, redistributing the wealth for a long time. As they bring up, supposedly bring up third world countries, the idea being we sort of meet like, like a couple of mercury gauges, halfway up, halfway down, it's some happy medium of sustainability. He says, we believe it's a date that the science mandates us to meet. The science, it's a date the science mandates us to meet. So science is science, God. Without a new global deal, he said, temperatures could be between 3 centigrade and 5 centigrade higher by mid-century. That's all bunkum. It's been, we've been cooling for years. All the top scientists are leaving the UN in droves. And we'll be back with more of this after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, Alan Watt back cutting through the matrix, reading an article from the BBC, which is full of ultimate propaganda. I think really the ones at the top at the UN just write these things and, and give them to the BBC because pretty well everything in it has been discredited uh, greatly and more recently than ever by thousands of scientists across the world, many of them leaving the United Nations, IPCC in droves because the evidence of this religion, this fanatic religion, is to the contrary, we're not warming at all, we're in a cooling period. The little islands in the Pacific haven't gone under, they haven't been drowned. Even this article I'm reading on off to the side, they have old, old uh, fear tactics right next to it that they've spouted off for years. Oh, the ice is thinning in the Arctic, now it's getting thicker. But of course they haven't caught up on that yet, because they like the old view. But it says here, the coming together would have to include other parties, including the major developing economies, accepting that they would have to restrict emissions in some way. The U.S. will not pass a treaty unless it's a global treaty. So they're pushing hard now for this global treaty. Now, I've, I've mentioned that Nauseam, about the Club of Rome, who were the guys who dreamt up this whole idea of creating the fallacy of a climate change and global warming. Something as a substitute for war to unite the whole planet under a totalitarian system where our betters, you know, the experts would guide our lives from birth to death, decide who breeds and who doesn't breed. Because the United, the United Nations was funded into existence by foundations. In fact, the UN building in New York was donated to them by the Rockefellers. It used to be the biggest kosher slaughterhouse in New York. It's been well blessed for the building. And eugenics is behind it all because they believe there's just too many people with poverty genes. And the proof is the fact they're poor, apparently. If they weren't poor, they'd be up there with the successful ones, those who had a better chance genetically at survival of the fittest and got to the top. This is the rubbish, this new religion they're forcing down our throats of, of weather changes, I call it. No, no, let's stop using their terms, but the weather change. Weather, weather, the weather always changes. That's why we had weather forecasting, to see what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. And even then, they were generally wrong. And, as I say, Obama vows to end global warming denial, the climate warming denial. They're using the Holocaust denial. This is standard of these people. They'll use these terms to silence anyone who tries to speak up with facts. Oh, you're a global warming denier. You understand the terms are used, the psychology behind it, psycholinguistics are, are used in psychological warfare to silence opposition. Obama vows to end global warming denial after Gore talks. This is on, I think it was Google. A couple of days ago, Chicago, it says, President-elect Barack Obama said Tuesday 
his administration would brook no further delay in tackling climate change, I mean the weather, after discussing global warming, I mean the weather, with former Vice President Al Gore. Now this is a, a photo op set up speech, you see, as they all are, sitting between Gore and his Vice President-elect Joseph Biden, or Biden, Following the hour-long meeting, Obama told reporters, all three of us are in agreement. Well, no kidding, eh? I mean, I'm really surprised that the time for delay is over. The time for denial is over. We all believe what the scientists have been telling us for years now, the ones that are leaving in droves, sorry, I added that bit myself, that this is a matter of urgency and national security. It's It's a matter of national security and has to be dealt with in a serious way. Remember the last one who said it was a, a problem of national security was, was Kissinger. And what was he talking about then? Overpopulation. And he wrote a whole bunch of laws into the books. Mainly to bring down the third world countries very quickly, by all means possible. But he was also talking about people at home as well. So take that very carefully, how they word this. A matter, a matter of urgency and national security. That means we make laws here that are just as serious. This is war on you. And has to be dealt with in a serious way. That is what I intend my administration to do, he said. Or his bosses told him. Since his defeat in the 2000 president election, Gore has been awarded a Nobel Peace Prize. That means nothing at all. Have you looked at the people, the winners? Have you looked at the founder of the Nobel Peace Prize? The guy who, who started it up was a complete internationalist eugenicists and all the rest of it. And, and he made high explosive just in time for World War I. Made millions out of it to blow people apart. Nobel Peace Prize for his relentless efforts to combat weather change and starred in an Oscar-winning documentary called An Inconvenient Truth. It's funny too, but Gore's science fiction film, his science fiction movie, is fizzled out. Every prediction they made just hasn't happened. Gore's thought, and that that was said by a judge, by the way, in a a case, I think, in Britain about global warming. As the judge called it, the science fiction movie of Al Gore. Gore is thought unlikely to figure in Obama's incoming administration, which takes office on January the 20th. But the climate change, the weather change crusader is winning a respectful new audience for his views as Obama promises to unwind the environmental policies of President George W. Bush despite an economic recession hitting the United States. If you think you've been fleeced now, wait until they start really taxing you, really taxing you over this carbon tax nonsense and weather change nonsense because you ain't seen nothing yet. And just before we go to the callers, here's an interesting little article here. It's from the Information Week Business Technology Network. Air Force seeks non-lethal city stopper. Posted by George Hume, December 7, 2008. While it won't destroy buildings or directly, directly kill people, it will shut down everything in its path with a power button. Electromagnetic pulse bombs have been written about for quite some time and are supposed to have been used in a number of conflicts in the past 15 years. Well, they have been. It's been in the newspapers. These weapons, just like the HARP technologies, too, they used them in Gulf War I. That was in the British newspapers. 
These weapons are designed to shut down cities as well as military communications and weapon systems, not physically destroy them, but they can destroy them too. This is well only electrical parts. The U.S. military already has EMP, that's electromagnetic pulse capabilities, but it looks like based on this Air Force solicitation published in the past couple of days, they're about to get more tactical. Combatant commanders have expressed desires from additional military options against a variety of electronic systems that are used in military, industrial, civil, and asymmetrical applications to provide viable military options to the COCOMs, they call this, this whole bunch, the Air Force Research Laboratory Directed, the Air Force Research Laboratory Directed Energy Directorate's High Power Microwave Division. That's a long term, isn't it? But, but it's pulsed energy weapons. It's seeking to develop and demonstrate the capability and operational utility of a high power microwave aerial demonstrator. And I'll put the link for that up as well at the end of the show. I'll go to the callers now. I've got Sam from Australia on the line here. There, Sam. Hey, Alan. How are you? I'm hanging in here. <laughs> That's good. Um, listen, uh, I uh, sent you a link uh, just before the show. I uh, just thought your, uh, your listeners might want to know about it as well. It's, um, it's an article in today's Sydney Morning Herald, um, and it's titled, Scientists Develop Way to Display Thoughts. Yeah. Now, this Japanese research um, team has come up with a way to uh, basically screen um, your thoughts onto a computer screen. Um, yeah. And it's an, it's an amazing article to read through because uh, it, it talks about how they can basically read your mind. Not only can they yeah, read yeah, your there's mind. There's a whole bunch of articles, and even what they're giving you really is low-tech stuff. Because years ago... They had, uh, and as I say, it's been demonstrated on CBC television with Nick Biggage on Wendy Mesley's show, who all, and Biggage also demonstrated it in the European Parliament to the politicians there, this little gadget the CIA had back in the 50s, which could put thoughts directly into your head. Now, to understand the technology and the brainwave patterns and so on, to put thoughts into your head electronically, you would understand it could, be, it could be a two-way street, you see. But they had this, this no, gadgetry back in the 50s. No, absolutely. And, um, look, I, I've been following this kind of technology for a while. I've, you know, I've, I've always been, you know, I, I, I started off as, a, as well, what, what you'd term as a cyberpunk uh, writer. And so I was heavily into looking at this kind of stuff. But it's, yeah, it's scary. So if you look at the fact that now they've got the RFID chip, mm-hmm. um, they've got the brain chip, They've got uh, ways to actually broadcast uh, feelings or emotions into your brain. Mm-hmm. They know now uh, they're, they're, they're announcing. That's what's worrying. When they're announcing it, the technology is not that far off to, to be released. Um, they basically can read your, your thoughts. There's nowhere to hide. Combine that with nanotech technology, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that they can actually put that in your food, uh, Theoretically, put it in your food. It can grow in, you know, you can, they could start building a computer inside your brain. So you don't actually even have to get it insur- surgically inserted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be the, the, the big thing. You, you, you're just going to, you know, they're going to offer you uh, a brain chip, but you don't have oh, to. That will come. The there's, there's no doubt at all. There's a whole bunch of articles I have here that I haven't uh, read over the air on that very thing of promoting 
the brain chip by by very well known people who are obviously getting paid to do it. But um, it's, it's, they said at the, the 2001 meeting at Loyola University in the United States, uh, this World Science meeting, they said that only they already have it ready to go. That was in 2001, the brain chip. They said they have centralized computer, regionalized computers ready to control millions of people. Each region's got these supercomputers, these create computers set up to control the people. They said the only problem we have now is, is uh, to convince the public to, uh, to, to want it, to take it. And they said that they will overcome this with, over the next few years with propaganda through media, novels, movies, and, and aiming at the children. They'll think it's very exciting. And so that's, it's just a matter of time now till we're all ready to accept it. Yeah. Absolutely, and I can, I can already see how, how they can sell it. I mean, the fact is that you know, what you see is the World Wide Web, the net, the matrix at the moment. That's all, that's all converging. I mean, if you have a, a chip in your brain that, that alters your perception of reality, mm-hmm. um, then your perception will be your reality. Um, and the big question is, who is going to be controlling that? I mean, are we going to trust these guys? That, well, they've already you know, made it quite clear that it's not to help. At the top meetings, it's not put out to, to help the people. Uh, they can literally, they'll literally um, reprogram the people. You could be a, a carpenter one day and a surgeon the next, but you won't know, and you have no memory of who you are or, or even the sentience of being an individual. They stated there will be no more individualism. In fact, what they said was it will be impossible for a person to even perceive or think of themselves as an individual once they have this chip inserted. That's right. And so, you're, I mean, once you have this, you're going to be a sitting duck. They can do whatever they want with you. They, they have complete control over how you perceive reality. Exactly. This is, uh, <laughs> this is uh, quite frightening. Anyway, I thought, I, thought, um, I thought I'd just bring your attention to that. It's, uh, yes. It's yes. frightening. Well, thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. Thanks again. Yeah, that's true. And, and um, as I say, uh, they have been promoting it through movies and cartoons, and, and the youngsters think that they're, they're going to get wonderful chips to make them superhuman. And remember, artificial intelligence means artificial. No, artificial means not real. It's a fake. It's not the real thing. Personally, I'd rather have the real thing, and that's 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 the thing you're born with. Now we'll go to. There's Jim in New Mexico. You're there, Jim. Yeah, hello, Al. Hello. Yeah, I've been listening to you for quite a while, and uh, I'm just a little bit skeptical of your um, overall agenda towards environmentalists. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems that the only issue that you want to talk about is global warming and maybe the eugenics issue a bit, but global warming primarily and while I agree there are evil people out there that are using this issue to control the masses, there are other environmental issues that are very credible that you absolutely do not even mention. So it's no, more... I don't. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why. Because I take war on a must or a necessity basis. You hit the target that's coming after you first, and this is the one that's coming after us. Well, the... I feel like, you know, the people that are out there struggling to um, maybe stop mountaintop removal, you know, to get to coal, why, for why instance, in the stop, Appalachians. Why, why don't they look up and stop the spraying in the sky since there's so many of them? Yeah, that's another one. You know, why, and why the continued clear-cutting. Why don't you do that? Because then 
I'll give you some credence when you use your eyes and you use your forces and your, your funding and all the rest of it and get them to stop spraying our heads and sickening everything off and killing everything off underneath them. Well, you, know, you can't even get the authorities to even admit that that's even happening, much less well, stop well, it. Perhaps environmentalists should join forces and, and again, uh, get on board together and start fighting the major things. We can't go around saving daisies when we're getting sprayed and killed off from above. Well, then, then the, the clear-cutting continues. The uh, herbicides and pesticides sprayed everywhere continues. The dead the zone at the mouth of the Mississippi continues. River the gets bigger every year. things across the world where people aren't using any farming stuff at all. Where I am, there's no farming at all. And yet everything's dying off. I'm in the country. All I get above me is daily spraying from jet planes that no one's going to take like, um, responsibility for putting up there. Well, I certainly try to bring it to as many people's attention as I possibly can, but everyone that I pointed out to just looks at me like I'm nuts and say that that's including, normal Does that mean including the environmentalists? But uh, as I said, the clear-cutting continues. The loss well, the of species continues. Is, is down the list right now because when you're in a war, you take on what's coming right at you to kill you now. Now, well, the, on, in a priority level. And then you subcategorize everything else beneath it. It's one thing at a time, and you've got to take on the major wars first. That's how you've got to handle it. Mm -hmm. Now, the bottom line is nature is the life support system of the planet. And oh, we all know that. Protected all the way boys, these big boys have got their big banks for seeds and all the rest. They've talked about reseeding the planet once, if they have to kill us all off. They've had global meetings about this. I mean, you, you, you better start understanding there is a war on, and these guys can recreate pretty well anything that they destroy in this world. And that includes us as well. They want to bump most of us off too. And I'll be back with more after the following messages. Cutting through the matrix, and we've got Glenn from Pennsylvania on the line. Hello, Glenn. Yes, hello, Alan. This is Glenn from Philly calling. Um, I just asked you, kind of wanted to chime in and do a little bit of a commercial for you, a little plug, because um, I've, I've benefited greatly from all your stuff over the years, but I've been somewhat erratic over time in terms of sending donations, and I just wanted to encourage people who are listening to. Go to PayPal.com and sign up for a PayPal account. I've been using it for years. It's very safe and secure. It works very well. And then it would be so much, you'd be so much better off if we could persuade a lot of people to regularly uh, uh, provide a small donation instead of fewer people providing larger donations. So it's like I tend to wait till it's too long intending to give a larger donation. But then, you know, but then I wait too long. I'd, it'd be better off if I sent you $20, you know, every month instead of $100 every so often or something like that. So yes. if I could persuade, you just ask the listeners, don't be worried or afraid about having a PayPal account. They sign, you know, it's the easiest way to do it. Um, we can sign up there. And then if we could get like a few hundred of us donating 5 or $10 a month to you, I think it would really make things work a lot better. And I know, I, I'm would. sure thousands are listening by now, so that's my plug. Yeah, well, I appreciate you calling to plug me because I forgot to do it myself. 
And if, yeah, if I get more money coming in, I might get a high-speed internet eventually with a satellite. The one I've got doesn't give me the, the price, well, the, the speed declined, of course, none of them do. And, and Hughes, Hughes owns a darn thing, so that's a military industrial complex. It's, um, right. Yeah. Very small good. Base. I think because God knows I've downloaded, you know, gigs of your stuff over the past two years. I've got like a, you know, several, new, you know, gigs of your all of your stuff over the past couple of years downloaded and I'm so so grateful for it, and it's all worked out so well. But um, I, I don't want to see you go away, and I just hope other people will, um, you know, uh, again, go sign up for a PayPal account. And even if it's only $3, send it. Send $3, $5, $10. And if a few thousand people did it, we'd be paying for your broadband stuff, and, uh, you know, no problem. That would be great. That would, that would so, be uh, Thank you so much for, out, um, yeah. for all your insights and, you know, uh, potentially rough times that are coming. I know. Yeah, they're tough times indeed. But thanks for calling. And we'll see if we can get in. Linda, Linda from Ohio, are you there? What a pleasant, pleasant surprise. I just found you. The last time I heard you, you were talking on the Jackie Petru show. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that last caller, and I, I appreciate his uh, pep talk. Um, you accept uh, U.S. checks, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, brief question. I hope. I'm not um, asking something you talked about in the past. I, I thought I heard you mention on your program within this past week, global, I mean, um, recycling is a scam, but I didn't catch why or who and the reason for it. So I'll hang it up. It was an article here. by a professor from Japan who went into the, the recycling business and scam deals in, in quite some depth and uh, and really demolished a lot of the the nonsense we're fed about recycling. What I do know is that places like Canada, I mean, I watched it start up here, and we knew that the mafia, for instance, took the garbage from the big cities, and they went down to the U.S. with it. And I thought, what a great scam when they started up recycling, because here they're training the public uh, to, to gather all these different commodities so that, and pay for it through their tax money. On top of that, have it taken to new factories that would recycle plastic for all these big corporate, corporate boys that were getting the stuff for free and so on. But uh, there's much more to it than that, and I don't really have time tonight to go into it because that's the music coming in. So from Hamish and myself, the great snowy white north of Ontario, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. Mm-hmm.